0: This is the Employment Hour indeed. Anytime you need to get a hold of Lior, it is simple, Lior, L-I-O-R at employmenthour.com or 1-855-821-5900 is the number to get a hold of as well. We're going to talk terminations of employment. If If you're just joining the show for the first time, you haven't heard us before and you've been let go or you're still in shock about what happened and you've got that package in front of you, before you deal with it, at least listen to this hour of radio because it's going to solve a lot of problems and be a huge eye-opener for you, guaranteed. But before we get to all that, we always start with the week that was.
1: That's right, John, and y- your point is excellent. I mean, if you lost your job, you need to know what your rights are. So that's what we do in the show. We talk about what, what are people's entitlements during work uh, working hours if they lose their job. We tell you the truth. There's a lot of misconceptions out there, so don't believe those. Listen to us. We'll tell you the truth. And to start off, talking about the week that was, couple of situations that I saw that I dealt with this week that uh, I think our listeners are going to find quite interesting. And the first situation involved a person that was let go. He had worked for about five years at a car dealership as a salesperson. (laughs) And, uh, Interestingly, his compensation, well, not interesting, I guess commonly in, in that world, his compensation was comp- comprised of several components. So he had a base salary of about $40,000, but he also had several commissions and bonuses. So he got commissions when he sold cars. He got commissions when he sold extended warranties or other items. Mm-hmm. He also had a vehicle, a, a, a company-owned vehicle that he drove himself. Uh, so he had various components to his compensation. Now, when he was let go... Uh, without cause, simply the company decided they had one salesperson too many and they let him go. He was offered six months pay. In and of itself, six months is not bad, it's not outrageous, but it was six months of base salary only. Right. So they said, you make $40,000, 6 months is 20000 so we're gonna pay you $20,000. And he called me asking, well, is that appropriate? Well, of course, John, the answer is it's completely inappropriate. Why? Because he didn't make $40,000. 40000 was his base salary, but with his total compensation, his, his income was actually over $100,000. Wow. Absolutely. We're adding commissions, uh, adding bonuses, car, uh, over $100,000. So because of that, the rule, of course, is when an employer terminates employment, it has to compensate an employee based on their total compensation, right. not just base salary. So if it's six months, it's six months of salary, commissions, bonuses, car. The whole nut. Uh, the whole the whole kit and caboodle. So for him, six months was probably over $50,000. They offered him $20,000. So, uh, so that was an, an offer that was completely inadequate. Uh, and it just goes to show that we cannot forget about all components of compensation. Just the value of the car alone is probably worth about $500 a month. And with the other components and, and bonuses and commissions, uh, he made a heck of a lot more than just uh, $40,000 thousand dollars a year and that's very common. We often talk to people uh, that are let go and they have bonuses, they have car allowance, they have a pension, they have benefits, etc. All of that has to be accounted for as part of the severance. The employer is not going to forget about base salary but they may often forget or, or maybe purposely not include the other components of a compensation, and that's wrong. And for this gentleman, that one issue alone was
0: $30,000. Was the six months close based on his age? and?
1: Yeah, he was a relatively young guy, right. a salesperson. Five years, six months was in the range for him. It'd be six to eight. So I'm, I'm trying to negotiate more than six months, mm-hmm. but the six months itself was not crazy what was wrong was the fact that it was six months of just base salary and not six months of total compensation.
0: I'm, I'm actually shocked just on the six-month number when you mention that because not, that, I mean, you can't put all the eggs in one basket, but generally car dealers are pretty, they, they can be out to lunch when it comes to that. In they, fact, they don't think they often quite have to pay severance, it, right?
1: It's, it's the Wild West usually when it comes to car deals. I know you have some some, some friends that work yeah. in that industry uh, and, and nothing wrong with that except from an employment law standpoint a lot of it really is kind of flying by the seat of your pants mm-hmm. uh, and, and And, you know, it really is the Wild West. In this case, But again, $30,000 difference. So, yeah, I guess still the Wild West. What else you got? And and the second situation I'll tell you about briefly. You know how I always talk about, John, the fact that uh, if an employer wants to impose changes to the terms of your employment, you can't just allow them to do that. Well, let me give you a prime example. I spoke with a lady this week uh, that's worked for a company for a few years, regular five days a week. Uh, About a year ago, the company said, we have to reduce you from five days to four days. She wasn't happy, but she agreed. Uh, fast forward a few months later, said now we have to reduce you to about three and a half days. We're going to take another half day from you with get- the pay going out the window Absolutely. too. Absolutely, with it. the pay and and you know business is slow. Again, extremely unhappy about it, but she did it. Fast forward to about a week and a half ago, when the employer says now we have to reduce you to one day a week only. You're, you're only going to work one day. So she calls me very upset, understandably. Well, wait a second, I don't want to work one day. That's ridiculous. Here's the problem, and that's what I told her and what I, I've said before on the show. By allowing the employer to do that before, by allowing them to reduce her from five days to four days and then to three and a half days, she set that precedent. She's given them the authority, the right, do it again. It now became an implied term. So now they can reduce her to one day a week, and there's nothing she can do about it. And what's worse. And what's worse is if they reduce her to one day a week and a month later they let her go, she gets severance calculated on the basis of one day a week, which is ridiculous, but that's the way it is. So what she could have done or should have done with, you know, hindsight, uh, is back when they reduced her from five days to four days, she could have left, treated that as a constructive dismissal, and got her full severance at that time. So right now, it's a very tough situation. So if your employer is changing your job, you have to deal with it. But please, don't do anything. Don't resign before you speak to me.
0: The number is 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get into general termination of employment and the terms that uh, come forthwith. Just hang on. We'll get to that in the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And back with more of the Employment Hour, the number is one 855 821 An email is Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get through a couple of emails here in just a little bit. I want to talk about termination of employment. Uh, questions I'll throw at you. Is it more difficult to terminate for cause? Uh, an employee who has worked for the company for, say, a long period of time.
1: Yeah, and you know, for for those listening to us for the first time, a termination for cause is a situation where an employee is let go because of some bad thing that they did or a really bad performance and the situation is so bad that the employer does not have to pay severance uh, or or give notice. It's very difficult to terminate for cause, and most employers uh, pull the trigger way before they should. Now, when it comes to a long service employee, it is actually even more difficult. It's difficult anyway, but with long service employees, it's even more difficult to terminate for cause, simply because if an employee's been with you for, I don't know, 20 years, it's assumed that they're good at what they're doing. Right. It's assumed that they, they, they know what they're doing and that uh, they, uh, they're there for a reason. So if you all of a sudden want to establish that this 20-year employee now is so bad that we have to let him go for cause, man, you better have your ducks in a row if you're the employer. You're going to have to work extremely hard. It's going to be very, very difficult. So if you're a long-service employee, unless you're stealing, uh, unless you beat someone up, uh, unless you did something like that, and if your employer wants to terminate you for cause, man, I mean, without knowing much else, I can tell you it's probably gonna be impossible. Very, very difficult to let someone go for cause. Uh, anyways, especially if they're a long-service employee. You have to start building
0: a history. You have right? to.
1: You have to. So it's especially important with a, a long-service employee. If your employee is good for 20 years, all of a sudden you let them go. You better be able to show that something's happened and then there's something objective that they've done wrong. You try to correct it. You try to fix it. You give them warnings, maybe even suspend it, and mm-hmm. clearly they're not getting it. Maybe then you can uh, let them go for cause. But remember, very, very, very difficult to let someone go for cause uh, anyway, especially if they're long service.
0: What if someone, uh, say, the other end of the spectrum only worked for a few months? Does that mean they maybe get, what, a week or two severance?
1: Yeah, and, you know, very common. uh, I I have a lot of employers calling me and saying, oh, I'm going to let this person go. They've been with me for eight months, so what do I have to pay them? A week, maybe two weeks? And I said, yeah, you know what? Not so fast. You actually may owe them a few months severance. And a lot of these employers get very upset. Well, what are you talking about, Leo? Did you not hear me? Right. I just said they've been with me for eight months. I didn't say eight years. Uh, and I said, well, no. Uh, in fact, the law treats short service uh, employees disproportionately better than long service employee. So an fee- employee that's worked for a few months may be owed a few months severance. The best advice for employers in that situation is if you don't want to be in that situation and find out that you have to pay your six-month employee, five-month severance, is you want to have them sign an employment agreement that addresses the issue of termination, that maybe caps or limits their entitlements. But And again, if you're a short-service employee, if you have been let go, Please don't assume that just because you work for the company for a short period of time, you don't get severance or you get little severance. Usually the opposite is true.
0: And why is it? Why do they have to give them disproportionately more severance?
1: Well, you know, we, we, we always debate that. The general idea is the fact that just because you've worked for a company for a short period of time doesn't mean it's going to take you less time to find another job. So if you work for a company for five months as opposed to five years, doesn't mean just because you've been there for five months, uh, it's going to take you longer to find another job. So the amount of severance you get should reflect the time that it will take you to find another job.
0: Does the employee have to pay severance all at once, a lump sum, or can they do an installments or continuation, I guess they call it? So
1: there's generally uh, three ways a company can pay severance, John. The first way is they actually don't have to pay severance at all, is they can give notice of termination instead. So if someone, based on their age, position, and length of employment, let's say they're owed six months, The employer can say, employee, I'm giving you six months notice that your employment is going to come to an end. So that's one way for the employer to comply with their obligations. And, And as long as six months is correct, using that example, that's fine. Now, a lot of employers don't like doing that. A lot of employers don't want to keep someone there once they've given them notice. So they want the employee gone today. So what they have to do is they have to pay them the equivalent as if they had worked for the relevant period of time. In doing that, they can pay it as a lump sum payment. So a lump sum payment means here's a check worth six months' pay, assuming six months is right. We'll continue your benefits for six months, and off you go. The nice thing about a lump sum payment is that there's no strings attached. So if you take the payment- Get a job the next day. Great. You're a happy guy. You've done well for yourself. That's option one. The second option is they can pay what we call salary continuation. So instead of giving you one payment, they'll pay you over time. Okay, so here I will continue paying you for six months. You'll get your check every two weeks. And at the end of the six months, you're done. Usually, if the employer goes with this option, the salary continuation option, they also add a condition that says that if you find another job, while we're still paying you, we'll cut you off and give you half of what's outstanding. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, both are legal, but it's usually negotiable. So one of the things we always uh, negotiate with the employer when when I'm working with an individual is not just how how much they're going to get paid, but how they're going to get paid. Uh, and oftentimes we can pay money into an RSP to protect it from taxes, and there's a number of things we could do to maximize the amount uh, in the employee's hands.
0: And you usually, do you try to go for lump sum each and yes. every time?
1: We try to go for a lump sum, or at the very least, we try to make the payment unconditional. So even if you want to pay over time, that's fine, but I don't want it to be reduced if the person finds another job. So and, and in most cases, we're able to do that.
0: We'll get to some questions here in uh, just a moment. You want to ask us one, ask leor one. He will answer during the show this hour. Lior at employmenthour.com is the email address. And the number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 The Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And we continue with The Employment Hour. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 at 5900 Lior at is the email. Said we'd read one, so I got one here from... Richard came in uh, just prior to the show, says, I've been employed for the last three years through an agency. The agency is the one that pays me. They just told me that there is no more work for me, but did not say anything about severance. Uh, am I entitled to anything?
1: You know, very common situation, John. We've had this before on the show, and I certainly have had many calls like that to my office. So you work for an agency, you get paid by the agency, or you work through an agency at a company, and uh, no more work for you. What, what happens then? So, so it's a very simple rule, John. If you work, if you have a job and then you stop having a job, okay, you get severance. Doesn't matter who your employer is, doesn't matter if you work through an agency or for a company directly. If you have a job and then you don't, you get severance. So in this situation, the person works through an agency, he absolutely is entitled to severance exactly in the same way as if he was working for the company directly, meaning based on his age, position, and length of employment, he'll get severance. Now, he's been there for three years. I don't know his age and his position, but I could tell you it won't be less than three months' pay. It could be as much as six or eight months uh, based on those factors. So, absolutely, he gets severance.
0: Back to our general questions about termination and severance. If there is cause, we can cover this one next because we're talking about people getting let go with severance. If there's cause, does the employer still need to pay severance?
1: So, good question because at the top of the show, I was saying, you know, generally speaking, if an employer uh, terminates for cause. If there legitimately is cause, misconduct, et cetera, the employer does not have to pay severance. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not 100% true, actually. There are situations where the employer has cause, but they still have to pay some severance. So usually when the employer fires someone for, uh, for cause, but it's not what we call willful misconduct. Okay. So maybe you're firing someone for cause for bad performance. You've documented it, Terrible, terrible performance. You've tried everything. You can't. You terminate them for cause. Let's assume it's legitimate. But because it's not willful misconduct, it's not like. Meaning,
0: after he hit somebody, right? It's
1: like he was on purpose coming there and doing a, a crappy job. He was just maybe not very good at this job. Though, Because he's terminated uh, oh. and it's not willful misconduct, he still gets his minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, which could be one week or two weeks per year of service, depending on, on a few factors. So there are situations where someone would get severance even though they're uh, terminated for cause. Let me give you a quick example. Okay. A couple of years back, I had a, a gentleman call me that worked for a, large, a very large retailer in their warehouse, and he was driving a forklift for them. Uh, apparently, a very bad forklift driver because he kept getting into accidents and damaging walls and equipment. Huh. And the company said, you know, not surprisingly, you know, what what's up, man? You gotta you gotta improve yeah.
0: here. Hey, Stevie Wonder, figure yeah, it out, right?
1: Figure yeah. it out. It's not it's not rocket science, man. Well, he didn't figure it out, and he kept hitting walls and damaging equipment. Finally, they said, okay, you're fired for cause. Now, I could never argue that that would be cause, right? Because he was just not very good. But this guy had worked for six years. So, because it's not willful misconduct, right, he wasn't doing this on purpose, he he still got severance, for, which for him was 12 weeks pay, so about three months pay he got, even though he was a terrible forklift driver, even though the company did have a right to let him go for cause. So, remember, there's a distinction between uh, willful misconduct and conduct that's not willful. Uh, but remember, the overarching principle is that it's always, always very difficult to terminate for cause.
0: Did that company have to, you know, retrain him, get someone to teach him more, get someone to sit with him? Did they go through measures to get his, his you know, his, his forklift driving improved? They did. They, Still they, didn't work.
1: They did everything by the book, well, okay. uh, and they tried to fix it. So they did have cause, and I could never even argue in my in my wildest dreams that they did not have cause. What the problem was is they didn't pay him anything, and because it's not willful misconduct, they owed him 12 weeks' pay in that case.
0: So you go into work the next day. What do you do if your employer says it's terminated your employment for cause? What's the first thing you do? Yeah,
1: well, you know, the, the first thing you do is you get as much information from your employer as possible. Uh, you want to know what the cause is. Maybe there's some complaints about you that you weren't, uh, were not aware of. The employer may tell you why or the employer may put that in writing, but I I would want you to find out as much information as possible. What what is it that they're saying you've done wrong?
0: Do they have to tell you legally? They
1: don't have to tell you legally. It would be extremely bad practice not to and it would hurt them and it would probably guarantee that the employer would have a legal action against them. Uh, Most employers would. So first thing you do is you find out what they've said uh, or or why you were let go for cause. Second thing which you don't have to do or you shouldn't bother doing is don't argue it. Once the employer has made the decision, there's nothing you can do to change their mind. Uh, the second thing you do is you give me a call. It's especially important to, to call me if you're let go for cause, because if you're let go for cause, you're not getting any severance, right? Mm-hmm. Your employer has paid you nothing. So it's no longer a situation of whether or not what they've offered you is adequate. It's a case of they offered me nothing. So you have to give me a call. It's more important than ever. Uh, to give me a call and what I want you to do is see if you can get copies of any documents that you have, any materials, witnesses that may respond to the allegations against you. So if they're saying you've done all these things wrong, if you have materials that that respond to that or that that show that that's not accurate, I'd like to see them. But you, you find out the information, you call me, Uh, And some employers may say, uh, John, I'm letting you go for cause, so I don't have to pay you anything, but I'm going to be a good guy and I'm going to offer you a couple weeks' pay if you sign right here. What you do not do under any circumstances, you do not sign anything like that until you've spoken to me.
0: Because obviously that's to their advantage. That's why they're offering it, right? And
1: and remember, once you sign something, you can't say, oh, now I'm not happy about it. Now I'm going to call Lior. By then it's too late.
0: We'll take a short break. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and the email address, which we'll get to one right after the break, Lior L I O R at hour dot com. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM six forty. And AM 900 CHML. Back with more, of the Employment Hour. The number is 821 5900 to get a hold of Leor anytime. His email is leor at employmenthour.com. Got an email sent through from James. We'll uh, give this one a shot. It says, I just started back at work last week on modified duties after being on disability for a few months. At the end of the week, the company let me go. They gave me no reason. They offered my 52 weeks pay, offered me 52 weeks pay after 23 years of employment as production manager. I'm 62. What are my rights? What do they really owe me? Well, you know,
1: interesting question, because before we even talk about what they owe him, mm-hmm. I want to understand why they'll let him go. And here's what I mean by that. He goes on a disability. He comes back, modified duty. The employer has to accommodate that. Uh, they take him back and let him go a couple of days later, a few days later. End of the week, yeah. That That's a problem. That could be a human rights violation, irrespective of, of what they offered him. Because if they let him go because he's, uh, he was on disability or because the, he was on modified duties and they didn't want to give him modified duties, that's illegal. That's a human rights violation. On the other hand, if it's simply a matter of we just lost our biggest client yesterday so we have to make some cuts, You're that's it. fine. Yeah. You, you know, it is what it is. So I would want to speak with James and find out more about some of the background, if there's other people that have been let go, uh, if, if they did say anything to him, etc., because something here doesn't smell right. Okay. Now, Putting that aside, the reason, uh, if he's worked there for 23 years and, and he's in his 60s, uh, yeah, he's owed a heck of a lot more than 52 like weeks. twice that. Yeah, probably 24 months. 52 weeks is 12 months. So he probably is owed anywhere from 20 to 24 months of compensation. Uh, so that's a, a completely inadequate severance offer. It's 50 cents on the dollar. So James has to call me. That This is this is a serious stuff here. There may be human rights violation, and he's owed double what they've offered him. And if he's still, by the way, John, if he's still sick and he's still not at 100%... Uh, Work capacity. He may get even more severance. So very important that
0: he gives me a call. This may seem like an obvious question, but I'll ask it anyway. It might be deeper than I'm thinking. That is, how can termination for cause for cause impact a person's future employment? Like, what do you tell a a prospective new employer about the reason why you were let go? You know, it's it's a huge problem. I've had a bunch of cases like that over the years.
1: So someone is let go based on what the employer says is cause. And, you know, it may not be cause. And in many cases, maybe most cases, it's not cause because it doesn't rise to the level. But that's why the employer said they're letting him go. And the employee is now interviewing and looking for another job. And probably one of the first questions they're going to be asked on on a job interview is why did you leave the previous company? And guess what? If they said, well, they let me go for cause, that's done. You'll never get a job. Forget it. And on the other hand, you don't want to say, oh, it was a a restructuring, it was cost-cutting because that's a lie. And if they dig deeper and they find that that's not the case, I mean, that's a problem. Even if they find out later after you started working, so you're between a rock and a hard place. So, So what do you do? Well, what you do is you have to resolve the issue with your former employer. We have to go back and rewrite history and and frame that and phrase it as a termination without cause. So if you have been terminated without cause, as the law defines it, and we've explained before what cause is, then we can deal with your former employer and not only get your severance, the severance that you owed, which could be months and months of pay, but we can also get them to re-characterize the termination as a termination without cause, issue a new record of employment, and then when you do go to job interviews, you can absolutely say this was a termination. Not my fault. Not my fault, termination without cause, that's all I can say, and that's fine. So very important because let it, being let go for cause is not just about how much severance you're getting or not getting. It's about your future employability, uh, and you need to get that resolved.
0: And it's not that hard to resolve it. You got to pick up the phone, though. And that number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Is there a chance that even if you've been fired with cause, they'll do you a solid and say, you know what? They'll put something else on the record. So, like, they want you out the door. You're gone. But will they do you a favor so you can get another job? Or is that generally your Kind of.
1: Generally speaking, they're not going to do that right. because that's actually technically illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you let someone go legitimately for cause, and you you tell the uh, the government of Canada and a record of employment that they, they were let go without cause, well, that that's perjury. That's lying to the government. That there could be consequences. So most employers are not going to do that, right. but that's why we can deal with that and get them to understand that really, from a legal standpoint, you may not have liked Bob. But legally, it wasn't a termination for cause. So it is okay to issue a new record of employment. It is okay to say that this is a without cause termination.
0: Back to uh, some uh, some bread and butter here, just if you're tuning in, is there a rule of thumb in terms of how much severance an employee should get?
1: So if we walk down the street now, uh, John, and I asked found five random people and we asked them, you know, if you lose your job, is there some sort of a rule of thumb uh, as to how much severance you should be getting? We ask five people, we get five different answers. Some people may say yes, you get a week for every year. Some people say two weeks. Some people may say a month uh, or, or something else in between. All of them, of course, would be wrong because there is no rule of thumb. Okay, There is no rule of thumb where you can say per year of service, you get X amount of severance or X amount of notice. It just doesn't work that way. It's not that simple. A person's entitlements are based on their age, position, and length of employment. The longer you work, older you are, more senior position, more severance. So that's why you can't, there's no direct correlation, correlation between severance and, and uh, years of employment. That's one of the factors. So how do you, because there's no rule of thumb, because of, uh, the, there's no uh, week or two weeks or a month per year, how do you assess or how do you know what you're right Well, you call me, you listen to the show, Or simple. You go to severancepaycalculator.com, and you input those three uh, three things. You input your age and position and length of employment, and it's going to tell you how much severance you're actually owed. So there's no rule of thumb, but uh, we made it easy. We created the severancepaycalculator.com. Over 300,000 people have used it now. We're very, very proud of it in in, in under two years. So, again, if you have any questions you don't know uh, because you just lost your job or you're worried that tomorrow you may lose your job, you want to find out how much you're owed, severancepaycalculator.com
0: We mentioned earlier in the show that uh, I guess surprisingly that uh, gentleman was let go at a car dealership and he got reasonably you know almost adequate severance how common is it to get adequate severance in your package
1: it, it, By the way that that gentleman got 6 months which was adequate but as far as the pay but didn't get the rest of it, it right. he, he only got the portion so he was $30,000 short so right. his severance was not adequate uh, and how so how common is it 90% of people nine out of 10 people that I speak with and I speak with more than 10 people every day Nine out of ten of them are looking at completely inadequate severance. It's extremely common, John. And, and let me tell you this that uh, the amount of severance that, when I say inadequate, I'm not talking about, well, you know, it's a thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars. A few dollars shekels off. here and there. We're talking no, major money, right? We're talking major money. We're talking thousands, tens of thousands in many cases, and hundreds of thousands in some cases, wow. depending on your income. So it's very, very, very common, and you know, if, if we have 10 people listening to us right now that lost their job, with, without knowing anything about them, I'll say that nine of them, nine of them, this piece of paper that they have in front of them, their severance offer, completely inadequate.
0: Because it's going to favor the employer. Why, why would they not try to save a few dollars yeah. upon and, and your it, ignorance?
1: So here's the funny thing. Nine, out of those nine people that get inadequate severance, probably eight or nine of those Okay, or uh, of those people are gonna accept it mm-hmm. because they're not gonna know any better, uh, and the employer counts on that. Often they believe if we let go ten people, you know, and give all of them inadequate severance, eight maybe nine of those people are gonna accept
0: it. Okay, you figure that the you know, big machine must know; right? they must know. Or even if it's
1: it's off somehow, what what can I do about it? I'm just yeah. a little guy not understanding that the laws actually favor the employee with respect to severance, and it's not difficult in most cases to resolve
0: it. The number's easy to start. 1 855 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior before you do anything or email him as well. Lior, L I O R, at employmenthour.com. More of the show coming up. Just hang on for a short break right here on AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Back with more of the Employment Hour. 1 821 5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll go to an email here in just a, a moment or two. Can you give me uh, some examples of recent cases that you've dealt with? So, Good or bad? Yeah, Bizarre, well, possibly. Well, let me tell you about uh,
1: one case. Uh, I mean, I've, right before the break, John, I was talking about a situation. Well, about the fact that 90% of people offered mm-hmm. inadequate seven. So, uh, the, the last last call that I had before uh, b- before the weekend uh, and, and last one I did for the week, uh, as I was leaving, is I got a, a call from a gentleman that had worked for a company for 15 years. Okay, he was what I call a middle manager because he had some people that, that reported to him. Yeah, decent salary, of eighty or just over eighty thousand dollars. And again, it was let go, victim of, a, of a, I guess, a bad economy or mm-hmm. some sort of a restructuring on behalf of the company, so without cause, termination, okay? And what his employer told him is, well, wait a second, uh, because, uh, you know, because we're letting you go for a bad economy, uh, you know, you, you, have to, you have to share in the problem. You, you know, it's not our fault that uh, it's a bad economy. We don't have a lot of money to pay you, so we're going to pay you eight weeks' pay only, eight weeks. He's going to uh, share the grief. Share the grief. Uh nice. and so so for this person this person, he probably was owed uh, you know, is a bit older, close to eighteen months of severance, eighteen months. So, you know, the difference for for him was over a hundred thousand dollars between what they've offered him wow. and what he's actually owed. So over a hundred thousand dollars. Uh and you know what what do I say to that to someone like that? I mean, like, yeah, no, I mean, it's not very good, sir. It's about a hundred thousand dollars off. Uh oh, it's actually more than a hundred thousand. So because of that, you know, I, I, this is just one example, John, and as is, is bad as the severance offer is, I, I can't tell you that this is unique. Uh, I speak with people, and, you know, the 15 lawyers that work in my firm speak to people every single day where there's a variation on this story, where someone is offered pennies on the dollar, uh, not because we say so. It doesn't matter what we want someone to get. It's because that's what the law provides for them. So I think uh, you know, if, if you're wondering whether you should make the call because you think maybe your offer is good enough, that's enough right there. Odds and odds yeah. are that it's not good enough.
0: No. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number to call. I got Jill sent an email says my employer let me go. I tried to negotiate my severance with them, and they said that's uh, that's uh, that's their policy, not to pay any more, and they won't be changing it. Is there a point to having you, Leor, review my severance letter?
1: Well, good thing she didn't ask if there's a point you, John, reviewing it because that would be- it would have been worse. That'd be very entertaining. It was taking actually. everything off the table. In fact, she'd have to pay. That, she'd man. have to pay. <laughs> you have to pay us severance. Uh, Mr. Scors <laughs> insisted. Uh, no. So, uh, and, and this is a very, very common situation. A lot of actually people don't call me because they themselves tried to negotiate with their employer. They didn't get anywhere, and they figured, well, if I couldn't do it, then probably there's no point. There's no point calling you, no. or they're not improving it, so I'm just going to accept. Well, here's the thing. Uh, there's no uh, reason to believe that you'll be able to do it yourself. An employer is not going to pay you more severance because they want to or because they're being nice. They're going to pay you more severance if they realize that they have no choice. Uh, And how do you get your employer to understand that they have no choice? Well, you have to have an advocate working on your behalf. You have to have a lawyer, an employment lawyer, that knows what he or she is doing to advocate on your behalf and to advance your matter. Uh, And if you don't have that, you're at a disadvantage. It's very, very easy. If you're going to negotiate with the employer, it's very easy for the employer to say no believe me it's a heck of a lot more difficult to say no to me because i know what to do and i know what i can do if they do say no
0: that's david goliath the other way right?
1: it is and it evens out the playing field so jill the fact that the uh the employer may have said no to you doesn't mean anything let me do what i do let me speak to them let me get this resolved so absolutely give me a call let me assess your severance package and if it is not adequate if it's not if it's inadequate I'll help you get it resolved.
0: Jill, 1-855-821-5900 or Leor at employmenthour.com. We'll talk, touch a little bit uh, with the rest of this segment until the end of the show with contracts of employment. Why is the contract of employment one of the most important documents that a person will ever sign in their lifetime?
1: Well, John, approximately— Well, that and
0: a marriage license. Yeah, well,
1: okay. Well, let's compare the oh. two.
0: Uh, how many hours do you spend a week at
1: work Approximately.
0: Ew, gosh, it would be 40 plus. 40 plus. Yep. And I,
1: I bet you, you don't spend 40 hours a week with your wife. I certainly don't because there's only so many hours in, in a day. And so, so much you Tylenol. Spe- right, that's right. It's so only so much Tylenol and only so much wine, right? Uh, but so because of that, if you spend more time at work uh, than you do with your wife, well, arguably, the contract of employment may actually be more important than the marriage license. <laughs> know. Because it governs what you do for the most of, of your life, most of your day. If you, most of us work most of the time, you know, we, we work during the week and maybe weekends, and that employment agreement is the, the document that governs that. And in an employment agreement, uh, there's gonna be a lot of important terms that dictate what you can and cannot do, what the employer can and cannot do, and what could happen if employment comes to an end. So it's a very, very important document to get correctly. It's a very important document not to just sign haphazardly. You have to understand what it says. You have to uh, uh, to be comfortable with it, with it and negotiate the best terms that you can.
0: So why is it important to pay extremely close attention to that contract? I mean, once everyone knows their holidays, what they're going to get paid, so on and so forth. Most right?
1: people, that's what they're going to look at. They'll look at salary. Okay, I got my three weeks' vacations that I wanted. I'm happy it's not two. Uh, so life's good. I'll accept the offer. Mm-hmm. I'll sign the employment agreement. Well, wait a second. There's could, there could be and there probably are very likely other terms that are very important. One of them, I'm just going to give you one example, is a term that tries to limit future severance. So there may be a term, often is, in an employment agreement that says, employee, if we ever let you go without cause, in other words, for whatever reason, we're only going to give you X. And usually, X would be a small, tiny fraction of what you would otherwise get. So this could be an agreement that you sign without understanding that when your employment ends maybe two years later, your employer now has to pay you only two weeks' pay as opposed to the six months' pay they would have to pay you otherwise. Why? Because you signed an employment agreement two years ago that allows them to do that. Probably didn't even realize that's what you were doing, probably didn't even look at that, but that's why I'm here to say you better look at it. You better understand what you're signing.
0: So the back end is far more important than the front end because your, your severance after 10 years of employment could so outweigh your, year, your yearly salary. Well, huh? yeah, absolutely.
1: After 10 years, you could be getting 12, 14, 15 months of pay, whereas if you sign an agreement that limits your severance, it could be as little as eight weeks' pay. So you got to think about that because it comes down to security. If you sign an employment agreement that uh, allows your employer to let you go at any time and pay you almost nothing, then you really don't have job security, right? right? Because your employment can end, and then what the heck do you do? You're on the street, you gotta find a job immediately because you're not getting paid. On the other hand, if your employment agreement doesn't do that, if you are entitled to your full severance and your employment comes to an end, you know you have a reasonable period of time to find another job. There's more security there. So you have to think about that. You gotta feed your family, you gotta support your your, your kids, et cetera. So you can't afford to be out of work and not get
0: severance. We'll continue with contracts of employment. The number 1-855-821-5900 to call Lior or Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour on talk radio, AM 640 and AM 900, CHML. More of the Employment Hour right here, one 821 5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. When we uh, took a break, we were talking about contracts of employment, so we'll dive right back in. Now, when uh, when should employers insist on having employees sign a contract so that it's enforceable? Yeah, and... Uh, often, people
1: assume that with an employment agreement, just because it's signed, it means that it's enforced. Right, and, and it's not the case. Not at least not with an employment agreement. For an employment agreement to be enforceable, usually it means that the agreement has to be signed before the employee starts working, uh, and that doesn't mean that uh, it can it can be signed. You know, right after they start working. If they sign right after they start working, it's probably not enforceable. So before means before the employee steps foot into the workplace, before their first day of work. So if an employer wants to have an enforceable employment agreement with an employee, they have to insist that that agreement is signed before the employee shows up on their first day of work. Now, on the other hand, for an employee, if you had signed an employment agreement and you signed it maybe after your first day, your first month, your first lunch break, That agreement may not be enforceable. But wait a second. The first instinct when I tell an employee your agreement may not be enforceable is they freak out. Oh, my God. What do you mean it's not enforceable? That's probably the best news I can ever give someone, an employee, that the employment agreement is not enforceable. Because usually, if the employment agreement is not enforceable, all that means is you have full protection of the law. Uh, The employment agreement, often what it does is it takes some of the protections that you would have and either eliminate them or give them to the employer. So without an enforceable employment agreement, the employee is better off. Now, if I have my employer hat on, uh, I'd be very upset if my employment agreement is not enforceable. That's why employers should insist on having employees sign agreements before they step foot into the workplace.
0: Well, today's technology, with uh, you know email and texting and everything else, what if there's what if there's a conversation back and forth, you know. Uh- Sort of uh, telling you when the start date's going to be, and I need you to sign this, you got to come in. There's a conversation before that, or is it just pen to paper? That's the only enforceable. It's thing. an excellent
1: question. The question is not even so much when was pen to paper put down, it's when it was clear that the employee accepted the very employment agreement. So if and the employee sent a copy by of the employment agreement by email, and he responds saying, Yes, this looks great, uh, I accept. Right the fact that they didn't sign it till later may still mean that the agreement is enforceable because clearly they've acknowledged the acceptance. Gotcha. Uh, in most cases, that doesn't actually happen. Uh, if the employee signs the agreement after they started working, there's rarely an, an earlier agna- acknowledgement that they've accepted it. That's why to be on the safe side for an employer, it's just good HR practice you do not ever, ever have an employee start working without them signing an employment agreement first.
0: Inside the agreement, what are some of the important terms to watch out for, like non-competes and so on and so forth? So we talked already about the
1: termination provision. Maybe the most important uh, provision for employers and employees, because at some point, that uh, that provision, depending on whether you're the employer or the employees, is going to cost you or maybe make you tens of thousands of dollars. So very, very important. Uh, another uh, provision to to be careful of, as you said, a non-competition provision. So if you sign an agreement that allows the employer to uh, let you go, and if that happens, you can't work in the industry for two years, that's a problem. Or if you quit, you can't work in the industry. Now, that may be unenforceable. Our our laws don't like non-competition provisions, but forget about that. We never sign an employment agreement on the hope that it's not going to be enforceable. Uh, The rule is if you sign it, you have to live with it. So that's a problem. You have to be comfortable with that. Another term that may be important is some agreements may give the employer the right to demote you, to change your pay, to relocate you. So we talk about constructive dismissal. It's not a constructive dismissal if your employer reduces your pay because the employment agreement gives them the power to do that. That you signed. That you signed. So if your employment agreement says your pay is $80,000 and we have a right to change it, well, guess what? If now we've agreed, to, we decided to change that employee to fifty thousand. Well, the employer is simply doing what you gave him the right to do. So it's no longer a constructive dismissal. Right. So if you negotiate salary, make sure that's your salary. It's no point negotiating salary if it, oh, the employer also has the power to change it. Otherwise, why? Why did we negotiate? May as well agree to well, we'll pay you whatever the heck we want. Uh, not not a, not not fair. Uh, in, in a similar way, you may have an employment agreement that gives the employer the right to lay you off temporarily. Mm-hmm. An employer does not have a right to lay someone off temporarily unless the employment agreement says so. So if you sign something that says that, you need to be careful.
0: So is it, is it even negotiable? Will they negotiate? And how do you go about doing that? Because, I mean, a lot of people would be in a brand new job. You're meeting a new employer. You're looking forward to starting. Oh, here's my lawyer. Like most people, at first aren't going to do that. So how do you negotiate
1: it? Yeah, and certainly to to in- involve your lawyer in a negotiation usually is not a good idea uh, unless it's a very very high end negotiation with hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars at stake. Yes. That said, you, the the role of the lawyer is not to be there negotiating on your behalf. the The, the role of the lawyer is to advise you uh, as to what you should negotiate, what the contract actually means. And to help you with strategy. Yes, you absolutely can negotiate, John. Uh, Even though you think, I don't have any of the power, the employer has the power because they have the job. And I want the job, so I don't have the power. But In reality, if the employers picked you as their perfect candidate, they've gone through all the interviews, uh, they've decided that after everyone, John is the guy that we want. Well, guess what? Now you do have something that they want yourself. And uh, the employer is often not going to be willing to lose their perfect candidate if the perfect candidate is concerned about some, some of the just terms. Just to tweak some of the some things. some of the, exactly tweak some of the terms. We're not asking for a hundred percent pay raise. We just want to make sure we have some job security. So maybe we we eliminate that provision in the agreement that says that I don't get any severance in the future. Right. So if you approach your employer in a reasonable way, you don't make crazy demands. You simply say, employer, I'm. I'm excited about the job. I think I, I can do a, a tremendous work for you. I just have a couple of concerns I wanted to raise. The worst thing that will happen, John, is the employer is going to say, I can't change it. They're not going to pull the offer off the table. Mm-hmm. There's no downside in trying. And in the vast majority of cases, in my experience, you absolutely can negotiate. A few seconds left to go. Severance Calculator. As I said at the top of the show, severancepaycalculator.com. If you lost your job, you need to use it. You need to use it. 300,000 people have already used it. Uh, You need to know what you're owed if if that happens to you. Uh, We've made it easy. You may not want to call a lawyer. You may be intimidated by that, or you you, you may uh, just want to know for your own information. Maybe you haven't lost your job. So you go to severancepaycalculator.com and you find out, it takes about 10 seconds, or if you're a smartphone person, you download the app on your iPhone, iPad, and Android phone, uh, and uh, you find out exactly what you're owed, use it. Don't ever, ever, ever sign a severance offer. Don't let your friends, your family, your neighbors sign a severance offer without going to severancepaycalculator.com.
0: That'll wrap it for another week. More information can be had very simply 1-855-821-5900 to call Lior or send him an email. Lior at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour once again, right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.